So as you can see, uh, Pastor Kenny isn't here today. He's taken some time away to re-energize and, uh, and to put together a plan for what his next year looks like, which is very much what our next year looks like. And so my name is Jason Park and I get to spend the next little bit with you. Uh, perhaps you've heard from me in the past. Uh, I have the good fortune of uh, pinch hitting for Pastor Kenny every now and then. Uh, last time I think we talked about finishing strong, um, but we take a, just a, a slight diversion from our current study of not of it, the, the concept that we are not of this world. Um, and I get to spend just a little bit of time with you. A brief introduction of myself. Uh, I'm a volunteer pastor at Cross Sign Church in Laguna Hills. I get to spend a lot of time with Pastor Kenny as a good friend, a good mentor of mine. Uh, but my full-time job is I'm a police officer. I've been a police officer for 25 years. And like I said, I am so thankful to get to be here with you today. So if you would, just open up in prayer with me as we can kind of uh, shut off the noise from the world and listen to what uh, God has to say to us this morning. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time we have together, and I pray that we would honor it, and we would shut off the noise um, and, and, shut, and quiet the noise around us and just listen intently to what you have to say to us, Lord, that, that we would listen very closely to uh, what we might be able to share with one another by, by going through your word. We thank you. We love you. And all God's men said, amen. So like I said, I get an opportunity to stand in for Pastor Kenny every now and then, and um, he told me, you can speak on whatever you want. And when he said that to me, I knew exactly what I wanted to say. I knew exactly the topic that I wanted to cover because I think it is so relevant to what is going on right now. Perhaps you heard in the introduction, I shared that there was a time when we would find something we had in common with one another and we would expand upon it. That would start the conversation and we'd travel down that road and, and we'd realize we had a lot in common with whomever we were dealing with. And that has transitioned over time and we weren't necessarily looking for something we had in common. We were looking intently on, on the things we didn't have in common. And we would camp out there and something has happened quite recently and as we've, we've allowed ourselves to, to rest in those areas and the areas we don't have in common and that has resulted in hatred in us directing hatred towards one another with regard to one topic that we don't have in common, regardless of, of all the other things that we do have in common with our neighbors, with our friends, with our coworkers, with people that we come in contact with. And it reminded me of this joke um, that I'd heard many years ago, and perhaps you've heard it, and it's a story of a pastor. And this pastor's walking on a bridge, and the joke goes like this. It says, I was walking on a bridge, and I saw a man standing on the edge of the bridge, and it looked like he was about to jump. And I yelled out, I said, well, you know, don't jump, you have so much to live for. And he says, well, like what? What do I have to live for? And so I asked him, are you religious? And he said, yes, I'm religious. And I said, well, me too. Are you a Christian or are you a Buddhist? And he said, well, uh, I'm, I'm a Christian. He said, I said, oh, well, are you Catholic? Are you Protestant? And he says, well, I'm a Protestant. I said, well, me too. He says, are you Episcopalian or are you Baptist? He says, I'm Baptist. And I said, well, me too. Are you Baptist Church of God or Baptist Church of the Lord? He says, well, I'm Baptist Church of God. I said, well, me too. Are you Baptist Church of God or are you Reformed Baptist Church of God? And he says, well, I'm Reformed Baptist Church of God. And I said, well, me too. Are you Reformed Baptist Church of God, Reformation 1879 or Reformation 1915? He says, 1950. So I went over and I pushed him off the bridge and said, die, you heretic scum. And it's a little point that these two had this interaction 
And they had all these things in common. They found that one thing that wasn't in common and they allowed that to define their relationship. It was in that moment that a decision was made and Pastor Kenny talks a lot about how we're battling our faith and our feelings and they allowed their feelings to take over as a result of this, this one thing that they didn't have in common. And our, our response, it happens in a moment. It's a, it's a reaction, almost more so than a reaction, a reflex. You understand the difference. The reflex is, it's involuntary. We have a limited amount of time and a limited amount of information to make a decision. And maybe it's not even a limited amount of information, but it's just enough because it doesn't necessarily affirm how we feel. And that's the challenge we face on a regular basis. We, the challenge is, is the, the tug of war that goes on between our faith in our feelings. In Romans chapter 7, Paul, when he's talking about the things I don't want to do, I can't not to do, Paul is talking about his feelings. He's talking about his gut. And these things, these moments, these interactions with people, they are, they are just narrow moments in time. It happens very quickly, and in many cases, it was a surprise in the moment. And what I want to do is I want to capture and take a look at a moment Jesus gave to us an example in, in John chapter eight. And when you look at the amazing stories of Jesus, they were moments. They were simple moments in time. And oftentimes they were things that just came to him in very much of a surprise. So the first scripture I wanna reference is John eight, one through five. It says, Jesus returned to the Mount of Olives, but early the next morning, he was back again at the temple. A crowd gathered and he sat down and taught them. As he was speaking, the teachers of religious law and Pharisees brought a woman who was caught in the act of adultery. They put her in front of the crowd. Teacher, they said to Jesus, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. The law of Moses says to stone her, what do you say? So imagine this is going on. Jesus is there. He's, he's in the temple, a city sitting down. And, and I just envision this roar of people coming to him and dragging this, this woman along. And it says they put her in front of the crowd. And oftentimes the picture of this is this woman that is being kind of thrown in the floor in front of everybody. And they're all standing over the top of them in this, this judgmental process, this uh, judgmental type of stance. Um, and they put her in front of Jesus. So Jesus is taking all this information. He has this hatred that's being directed from the Pharisees and the scribes. He's well aware what they're doing um, because we look a little bit closer. They're kind of trying to trick Jesus. And then you have this woman in front of there. And Jesus takes in all that, all that information and he's got to make a decision. And we are often faced with similar situations, moments potentially of chaos, where there's lots of information coming our way and our ability to assess that information and to see the hatred that was coming from the Pharisees, but to knowingly direct his attention to the, to the person who was really in need, and that was the adulteress, but also to display that in a way because they needed to hear something too. We need to be able to be in the, inside those moments and realize that the, the challenging thing going on right now is, is we are having our, these feelings going on about all these things around us. And we are, we are hanging on to some of those feelings so tightly. The problem is, is we are allowing those feelings about whatever that might be to really just be disguised for our hate. We are taking a stance on something, whatever that might be. And really what we're doing is we're projecting hate. 
And what I want us to see, the reminder what I want us to take away is whenever we allow for hate to be introduced into that moment, we are inviting Satan into that moment. We are inviting evil into that moment. Even if it's in a situation that we feel really strongly about, even if it's a situation that we feel right about. You think about the Pharisees and the scribes, they walked up to Jesus and they quoted the law of Moses. They were quoting something that was correct. They were quoting something that the Old Testament was right. It wasn't about were they right. Jesus had to assess what is the right thing to do. And in this particular instance, the right thing to do was direct his attention at the sinner. Show love towards the sinner. And when we invite hate into those moments, we invite evil, we invite Satan. And the crazy thing about right now is it comes in such strange ways. Satan has this way of sneaking into the, the most, what appears to be things that can be relatively insignificant. And that's where he camps out. And I'll give you an example. This right here, this is a, a mask. This is a mask designed to potentially protect us from, from others, protect others from us. And even me holding up this mask right now, there's some of you that are, that your, your stomach hurts right now. This is bothering you, me holding up this mask. Did we ever think that something as relatively insignificant as this would generate hate? And there's a variety of other things that are doing the same thing. And what I want us to be reminded of in our study that Pastor Kenny's been going on through right now is we are not of the world. And not of the world means that we deny ourselves our feelings and we rely on our faith. We put ourselves aside. We honor the words of Jesus that said that if you're going to follow me, you're going to put your own way aside. You're going to give up your own life in order for you to find it. But we don't want to create those opportunities. And so really the first filling that's on your handout, and you can upload that from the website of the Facebook Live, says a little hate gets you a lot of Satan. Even though that we have this belief and we feel strongly about that belief, when we are projecting hate in there, we invite Satan. A little hate gets you a lot of Satan. So I have some feelings and some thoughts here with regards to how can we protect ourselves? How can we not make room for hate? You know, I'm standing in a room right now and this room has, has a lot of space in it. And so what I have to do is I have to allow for and protect this room and prevent there from being hate. So the first thing I want us to, to talk about when we're trying to protect ourselves from being hateful and we're trying to make room for only love is we need to make time to listen. We need to make time to listen. Now, I was very purposeful when I said make time to listen. I didn't say take time to listen. I mean, make time to listen. That's, that's something that requires great energy. One of the greatest compliments somebody could ever give you is they say that you're a good listener. We, we need to make time to listen. And the scripture here that's referenced in James 1, 19 to 20, it says, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. In the notes, I even include Eugene Peterson's The Message version that is oftentimes fun to go through and just see how that is translated. It says, post this at all intersections 
my dear friends, lead with your ears, follow up with your tongue, and let anger straggle along the rear. God's righteousness does not grow from human anger. So throw all spoiled virtue and cancerous evil in the garbage. In simple humility, let our gardener, God, landscape you with the word, making a salvation garden in your life. When we go back to that translation of the New International Version, James is saying, listen closely. Take it all in before you respond. Be slow to anger. And what is the result of that? It's the righteousness of God. When you kind of reverse engineer that and you say, well, what happens when I am quick to speak? So I don't take it in slowly, right? And I'm not quick to listen. And I allow for anger to come in too quickly. The result of that is what? It doesn't produce the righteousness of God. We have to be willing to listen. In our house, if the television's on, and somebody's got something to say. We respect one another and we mute the television and we direct all of our attention to whatever that person is saying. We, we do our very best to shut off all the other noise in the room and not be distracted by what is said. And as a police officer, being a good listener is, is very important. And when we teach young police officers how to interview people, how to speak to people, we have something called, a, it's a three-phase interview. When we go out and have a conversation with somebody, especially if we're taking a report from somebody, and it works like this. I come up to you and I say, so tell me what happened. And I stop talking altogether and I let you tell your story. And as you're telling story, I, I take some notes. And then when you get through your story, I go back to the beginning of the story because naturally there's probably points that we got to fill in. And so you tell me the story and the second time around, we're going to kind of tell the story together and we're going we're gonna to fill in all those gaps. And that third phase is me telling the story back to you. So you tell it to me, we tell the story together, and I tell the story back to you. And, and that's one of the ways that, that we listen. And when we listen, we create this opportunity for the righteousness of God. When we listen carefully, we, we prevent human anger from coming forward. We listen to what somebody's having to say. And it's so important that in those moments, that we have that, have that opportunity to see what's going on and just listen. And oftentimes we've had these situations many, many times where somebody comes to us with an issue and all they need to do is be heard. They just need the opportunity to speak and oftentimes that diffuses the situation. And for us, having the ability to make time to listen, that allows us to not make room for hate. Because like I said, even the slightest bit of hate results in hate. So the second thing I wanna talk about is our ability to take a breath, right? Take a breath. On your, on your notes, I jokingly made a reference to the Seinfeld um, show that was on television where, where George Costanza would get frustrated and he'd walk away and he'd yell, serenity now. That was George's way of, of dealing with stress. That was George's way of kind of counting to 10. And oftentimes we need to have the ability to take a breath, to realize in the moment, taking a breath is us being slow to anger. Taking a breath is us being slow to speak. Taking a breath is us being quick to listen so that we don't necessarily respond to those emotions. Um, when we take that time, we've seen leaders in the past, Abraham Lincoln had this methodology that he would use, that he was very frustrated with one of his generals, he'd write a letter. He'd write a letter and, and these were 
important people involving important issues, like, like General Meade and how he interacted with Robert E. Lee, right? Very important issues, and he'd write a letter and he'd set it aside. And he'd set it aside long enough to where he wouldn't mail it. And by the time it came time for him to deal with those emotions, he wouldn't have to put that in the mail. It would, it would stay in his desk and it would say that it was never sent and it was never signed. That was his ability to take a breath and to think about what was going on and not be overwhelmed by his emotions and, and make a better decisions. And, and our taking a moment to take a breath that's us taking kind of control of that thought and saying, what, how is this thought directing my energy and is my energy being directed in a positive way? Paul in 2 Corinthians 10, four to five writes, the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they are divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments in every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. I repeat that. We take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. I steal Pastor Kenny's illustration that he provides that taking captive every thought is like going through immigration at the airport. Some of you have traveled to different countries and you've had to go through immigration. I remember when I had the opportunity to travel to Israel some time ago. And obviously safety and security to that country is, is paramount. And when you go to immigration, when you're getting ready to, to go into Israel, you are set aside and you are asked questions, very direct questions about who you are and where you come from and what you do because they are taking assessment of us as we're traveling in there. We need to do the same thing with our thoughts. What is this thought doing to me? What kind of energy is, is being directed by this, these thoughts? And what could potentially be the result? Us taking a moment, us taking a breath in that moment is us taking that thought captive. And maybe we even have the ability to pray over that thought to think carefully over that thought before we decide to make a decision that might have a lasting impact. I went back to, I go back to that joke in the beginning, that pastor that's walking along the bridge that responds in an emotional way, and that defines forever from between those two. So we have to take a breath. Next, I think it's very important in those moments just to have the capacity to lower our voice to lower our voice and talk smoothly. When you have the ability in those encounters, and oftentimes this isn't a face-to-face -face conversation, it's a conversation over email or text or whatever social media platform, is the ability to just be mindful of, of lowering your voice. When you yell, you consume brain power. And I don't know about you, but I don't need to consume any more brain power than, than necessary. I need access to all the brain power. But when I speak softly, I think more clearly. And when we're around people, we kind of set the tone for that interaction. And once again, another law enforcement illustration, I saw this play out plenty of times when I'm dealing with somebody that's very excited and I take the time just to lower my voice and it reminds me of this time as myself and a partner, we were directed to this house where somebody had called 911 and it hung up inside this house. So naturally as police officers, we th we're thinking the worst. We think somebody's inside and, and they need our help. So we go and we knock on the door and we are greeted at the door by, we'll just say it's a very large gentleman and he is not happy about us being there. And 
a little bit intoxicated, a little bit emotional, and he does not want us to be there, and he absolutely does not want us to come in the house. So I'm the backup officer on this, and my partner is this very capable, uh, very strong-willed, very intelligent um, young woman, and she is considerably smaller to me. So I'm the backup officer, and I'm just letting her communicate with this guy, who, by the way, is as big as his doorframe. He's wearing a shirt that says tap out, right? You're familiar with the company, right? He looks like a mixed martial artist. He's got ears that say tap out. He's got the tap out tattoos. This guy probably is, is capable of defending himself, and now we're left to this situation. And she's talking in this very calm voice, and he's made it 100% clear we are not going to be allowed in his house. And she says to him very calmly, we're, we're, we need to come in your house. We need to make sure that it's okay. And he yells, I know my First Amendment right. And she says, sir, I, I understand your First Amendment right too. It's the, the right to free speech. I don't quite think it applies in this scenario. We're actually referring to, to the Fourth Amendment, your protection from illegal search and seizure. But we need to come in your house. He says, you're not coming in my house. He says, you know, we, we need to come in your house and we need to make sure that everything's okay. And his, the tone of his volume is coming down. He says, as soon as we come in there, we make sure everything goes away and then we're going to leave. And you saw his tone and his energy come down because she had the wherewithal to not get drawn into this. She had this ability to lower her voice and lower his voice and it settled things down. Oftentimes when we can, we can lower our voice in that interaction, we can lower the temperature. It's like we can be the thermostat and, and not the temperature. Understand, we're controlling the thermostat of that um, encounter. Philippians 4, 4 to 6 says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. It says, let your gentleness be evident. You know, Paul is talking about our gentleness being evident with the way we interact. Paul is talking about our gentleness being evident in our words. Now, in James, uh, if, our, if, if our words, according to Paul, can be gentle, James is saying our words are still very powerful. They have the opportunity to, to be just as, just as dangerous in James Three to five, or three five, it reads. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but makes great boasts. Consider what a forest is set fire by a spark. The issue with with our words, and in this case, what I'm saying, not so much our words, but how we're projecting them, and how how we're directing those words, and our ability to lower our voice allows us to mitigate the situation with keeping hate in our lives. So next, following lowering your voice, your next feeling is to learn about one another. To learn about one another. When we take the time to learn about one another and once again address the issues that we have in common and not necessarily camp out with the issues we don't have in common, we usually find that we have so much more in common than we think. Uh, Reminds me of a story where I was on an airplane and I was flying back from uh, Washington, D.C. And I got on the airplane and, and next to me, or there's the seat, the empty seat between me and there was another, another gentleman sitting by the window. And we were on the runway where you're having that conversation you have when you're calling your family. You're telling your wife and kids that you love them. Um, you, you, you know, we all kind of go through those things and wondering, you know, is, is this my time? Is this, is this the last time I'm going to have 
you know, this conversation with my family, we're both having that same conversation at the same time. And we're actually hearing each other talk and kind of chuckling at one another. So we get off the phone and so now we get settled. And uh, so now we start to have a conversation about, you know, back home and, and who, he's, who he's talking to. And it turns out that he had um, two daughters and I have two daughters and our daughters were about the same age and we had been married for about the same time. And we, we had all these, these great things in common. And on the screen, they were playing one of the episodes from Seinfeld. I've already read, read reference to George Costanza and we were laughing, we were talking about Seinfeld and it was you know, a favorite show of the two of us. And so here I am, I've never met this guy. We have all these things in common. So there's a kind of a lull in the conversation. And one of the things I do is when I travel, I pull out my Bible on the airplane and I can read. It gives me a lot of opportunity to spend a time in a certain section of the Bible. And oftentimes it creates some good conversation. So I open up my Bible and I hear, that's a shame. So if you're a Seinfeld fan, you understand the reference. Jerry would say that occasionally. He would say, that's a shame. And I heard the guy sitting next to me and I looked over at him and I'm thinking another reference to Seinfeld and he's looking down at my Bible. So he's holding something too. He's reading a book and he looks down his book and he's reading the Quran. He's Muslim. He's Muslim and, and I'm Christian. And you know what? We start laughing. We start laughing because we're not supposed to be friends, right? It, as far as where the world was at at the time, you know, we had perfectly good reasons to not be friends, but it was too late. We already knew it about each other. So what did we do? We, we, I closed my Bible, he, he closed his, and we sat and had a conversation. We took the time to get to know one another. And I had already decided we had enough in common. We had enough reasons to be friends beyond that part of our life, a major part of our life, don't get me wrong. But when Jesus says, you love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and love people, right, the way you want to be loved, that's what we're supposed to do in spite of what our opinions are, in spite of what, or what our beliefs are. Romans 12, 9 to 10 reads, says, love must be sincere. Hate what is evil and cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another. Honor one another about yourselves. In Romans 12, Paul is speaking about one another. And this is referenced many, many times in the Bible, oftentimes referred to as the one another passages. You know, John many times over talks about loving one another. Romans 12 just says, be devoted to one another. Honor one another. Romans 12, 16 says to live in harmony. Romans 14, 1 Thessalonians says to build up one another. When we honor one another, when we're devoted, when we, one, when we love one another, that starts with us getting to know one another. And how many great opportunities we have to, to meet somebody and find out what we have in common. And so that what connects us is that we are, have that in common and what drives that, what drives our identity in that moment is not you know, the opportunity to find a reason to disagree, the opportunity to, to, to allow hate to sneak in. It's the opportunity for us to allow love to sneak in and us to interact in that moment. So we need to take time to learn about one another. This next feeling, when we're, when we're in that moment, we're trying to decide how we would react and how we, we should decide when we have that mo opportunity to lower our voice, to take a breath, 
Your next fill-in is to apply the love standard. And I couldn't think of any other way to apply this. And once again, you can tell right away, I'm, I'm stealing a lot of you know, what I've learned from Pastor Kenny. But he's given this advice to me, and I'm sure you, is to apply the love standard. When you look at 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 7, and you take out the word love or a pronoun, pronoun associated with love, and you apply your own name. So on your handout there, there's a, there's a fill-in where you can, I've taken it out for you, and you can, you can fill in your own name. And we should have the ability in that moment is to kind of apply this love standard. And if you just play along with me, and I'll use my name, it says, Jason is patient and kind. Jason is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. Jason does not demand his own way. Jason is not irritable. And he does, does not keep record, record of his wrongs. Jason does not rejoice with injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Jason never gives up never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance. That moment that we have is, is, am I representing these things in my life? Am I patient? Am I being kind? Am I responding boastfully? Am I responding jealously? Am I being rude? Am I demanding my own way? Am I being irritable? Am I taking record of being wronged? Applying that love standard in the moment, and that's tough. That's, that is such a difficult situation. But remember what I referred to when I talk about those situations. That's a situation for we, us to crack open the door and for allow evil to come in. For us to crack open the door in those moments when we're fighting with our feelings and we're challenged to maintain and hold strongly to our faith, our faith, the assurance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not yet seen from the book of Hebrews. That moment, that crack in the door is our opportunity to, to allow for that potential foothold to be taken by the devil. And for the devil to come storming in there, and even in just in a subtle, certain way, and it's when the name of something that we believe in, that we believe strongly in, but we allow that hate come in, we allow for the devil to come in. So applying the love standard in that moment, taking that breath, lowering our voice, listening, allows us to not make room for hate. And finally, with regards to what I'm talking about here, this, this fill in here is to take a stand. And I, I put this here very purposely because so many of us are doing these things and we are saying, I'm going to take a stand. I'm going to take a stand for what my, my, my feeling is. I'm going to take a stand for what my philosophy is. I'm going to take a stand for what my belief is. And, and nobody is telling anybody to not take a stand. But I think what is important is, is how we take a stand and the process for which we take a stand and that we protect ourselves, that we're doing what we are called to do, but we're to do it in a loving way. Because so frequently within the name of us taking a stand is we are responding selfishly. We are putting ourselves first in the name of taking a stand. So it's not necessarily what we're taking a stand, but why we're taking a stand. And Ephesians 6, 10 to 11 says, be strong in the Lord, and his mighty power, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. And I've highlighted that in my notes, I'll repeat it again, so that you can take a stand for what? Against the schemes of the devil. 
The schemes of the devil come in all sorts of creative ways. They come in when we're tired. They come in when we're hungry. They come in in the moment when we feel that we're right. They come in moments like this, when this relatively insignificant option, if I would have held this up a year ago, you would have thought of maybe the last time you were at the doctor, the dentist. When we hold it up now, this causes us to, to get upset, to get emotional. And we have to be careful to be in that moment that what are we taking a stand for? We're taking a stand against evil. In that moment, when they brought that adulterous woman to Jesus and they were angry and they have this negative energy and they're trying to trick Jesus and they've thrown this woman in front of them, Jesus had this ability to take a stand. And what was he taking a stand? That was a moment, that was an opportunity for the devil to sneak in. And what he did was he closed that door. He closed that door, he loved the sinner, and he loved the people too, because they had to hear that as well. They had to hear that right, that right message from Jesus, but that's why we take a stand. We take a stand against the devil's schemes. So most of these messages have a big idea. And the big idea is, your next villain is just produce healthy fruit in your blast zone. Produce healthy fruit in your blast zone. Once again, very intentional with my words, because we are producing fruit, and it's either healthy fruit or it's not healthy fruit. Scripture says you will be known by the fruit that you produce. We are producing some type of fruit. We want to produce healthy fruit. And specifically, I'm referring to the fruits of the Spirit from Galatians 5. It's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. That's the produce that we are, the fruit that we are producing. And that's the result of the Holy Spirit. That's the result of the, the Holy Spirit that's within us. We want to produce that healthy fruit. And we want to do that within our blast zone, a phrase that you've got to be familiar with if you hang, hang around Kenny for long enough, is our blast zone is our area of influence. And we all have one. Because far too frequently, we think whatever we're projecting isn't going any farther than ourselves. We don't see that whatever is going on in my heart and how it's being projected out, it's splashing on other people. It's being directed at other people and other people are, are seeing it and they're being impacted by it. John 7:38 reads, whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. This picture of, of the living water that's splashing off of us and it's flowing from us, it's splashing on others. Something is flowing out of us and we want healthy fruit to be flowing out from us and for our blast zones to be positively impacted by our healthy fruit. You know, this last weekend I was on a, a long bike ride and we're pretty close to the conclusion of our bike ride and we pulled over to the 7-Eleven to just kind of refill our water bottles and re-energize. You know, and there was somebody out front of this um, 7-Eleven and I was getting ready to walk in and he was upset because the store owner asked that people go in and wear a mask. And this guy was very upset about this. And what I saw was not a guy upset about this. What I saw was a man with his two young sons. Two young sons who are probably five, six, seven years old. And they're watching this negativity being projected from dad. They probably weren't even sure why he was frustrated, why he was angry, but that was splashing off of him onto his children. When we do things, when we respond, that is 
flowing from us. When we respond with love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, that splashes off of us. When we respond negatively in those moments, that splashes off of us, but something is splashing off of us. And it's in those moments, those difficult moments, those moments when the adulterous woman that was, um, was brought to Jesus, it's the moment when that man is frustrated in front of his children. It's that moment when, we, when our feelings are challenged. It's in those moments that I've said is, is we have to protect our room and not make space, not make any room for hate, but it's in those moments that as a result of us preventing hate from showing up, is we show love. It's in those challenging moments that we have the opportunity of rivers of living water to flow through us. It's in those moments that we can demonstrate humility, that we can be slow to speak and quick to listen and slow to have anger, that we have the opportunity to shine the light. By us preventing a little bit of darkness, we have this great opportunity to shine a great light. And it happens all day long and it happens in, in those moments, moments that we are not ne necessarily prepared for. So something is flowing out of us and we want rivers of living water to be flowing out with us. So I, I thank you for spending your time uh, with us this morning. It's a great opportunity for us to remind ourselves to not disguise hate by something that we believe strongly with. For us not allow our feelings to take away from our faith. For us not allow ourselves to be in a situation where we think selfishly and to protect the situation and think about other people. Think about the people that are within our blast zone. So once again, I thank you for your time. I pray that God's word spoke to you in the way that it spoke to me. Um, I expect this time next week, the pastor Kenny will be back, giving me plenty of more ideas to live my life and potentially refer to in future studies. So I'm just gonna take a moment to pray for us um, and send us on our way. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for the opportunity. We thank you for the many moments that you provided for us in the Bible. Moments for you to listen. Moments for you to quiet your voice. Moments for you to not think selfishly. Moments for you to refer to God's word. I pray that we would take from those moments, we would be energized from those moments, Lord, and we would protect ourselves from hate, protect ourselves from evil, and understand that even in those moments where it feels right, Lord, that we are allowing for just a little bit of hate. And when we allow for a little bit of hate, we allow for a lot of evil. We thank you, Lord. We pray for this day. I pray for the men on the live screen, that they are blessed by your word. And we can't wait to spend more time with you. We thank you and we love you. And all God's men said, amen.